0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Some of you may have heard the phrase, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and the skeptical reply as well, except for a bear, a bear will kill you. That's not the vision of the great prophet Isaiah today. The vision of the peaceable kingdom where natural um, enemies come together in harmony and peace to create a world that is safe. The cow and the bear shall graze together, writes Isaiah. Their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like an ox." This beautiful vision is given voice millennia later in the prophet John. John the Baptist or John the baptizer, as we were talking about in uh, adult education, whether you use the Baptist or baptizer, but either way, He carries on this beautiful prophetic vision of a world that has returned more closely, aligned with the vision of God for all of us, to live lives of fulfillment and peace, of grace and wholeness. John the Baptist, in proclaiming this vision does it in a very fiery way as prophets are wont to do they ratchet up the rhetoric a little to get our attention and by a little i mean a whole lot isaiah isn't always as poetic and peaceful throughout the various stages of his ministry as a prophet and john John uses poetic, fierce language to get the attention of the people of his day and to hold our attention today. We know who John the Baptist is. He is singularly himself, focused on his mission, unafraid of the wilderness, He is so uniquely himself and so secure in who he is that he knows he is not the Messiah. And this knowing is a particularly hard thing for charismatic people to remember. It just is because people are drawn to them. It is a particularly hard thing for a charismatic character and a person of strong faith to remember because sometimes we defend God so much that we put ourselves in God's place. But there is only one Christ, one Savior, and it is not John. There is only one Christ, one Savior, and it is not your favorite writer, your favorite theologian, or your favorite preacher, or your favorite speaker, or your favorite politician. There is only one Christ, one Savior, and it is not John or me or you. It is Jesus who happens to be John's cousin. Now, I love my cousins, and if any of you are watching, you all are awesome. Brilliant. I love you. But I'm not sure I would be as self-possessed as John if it turned out that one of my cousins was God incarnate. I might, I might, I might not be as self-possessed. I might be a, a little shaken, But in our gospel today, John the Baptist remembers who he is and he knows who he is. And he was doing what God made him to do. Not anybody else. was doing what God made him to do. Pushing against complacency, calling to repentance, calling out hypocrisy, creating community where there was none, and baptizing in abundance. John the Baptist uses his gifts to proclaim the good news that God is with us. He is a voice in the wilderness making accessible the way to God for all. So this second Sunday in Advent, John the Baptist teaches us He writes the manual on how to be a voice in the wilderness. He teaches us how to be voices in the wilderness, being our singular selves in our own contexts, being true and remembering to point to the one who is more than all of us. How to be a voice in the wilderness John says, use, or John shows us to use our unique gifts to proclaim the good news and to make accessible the way of God for all. He teaches us that being a voice in the wilderness is part of discipleship, that crying out in the wilderness is part of the preparation for Christ's coming, that being our singular un poco loco, a little crazy selves, A little out there is one of the best spiritual practices for for incarnating hope. And this is an age-old Advent best practice. Stay humble, yet be bold. Stay faithful and a bit strange. Stay true to yourself and to God's dream for you. Make a way, point the way for Christ in this world. The biblical scholar Stanley Saunders wrote about John, that John calls us toward the wilderness, a place of danger and testing, but also the place where Israel was formed, where God's provision and care was demonstrated and the people grew ready for God's promises. In the wilderness, away from all the trappings of human traditions and powers, we may see and hear God's call more clearly. John's ministry in the wilderness thus calls the people to remember who they were before their kings started building cities and temples, even before they had kings at all. I just love that. That the second Sunday in Advent, when we are shown how to be a voice in the wilderness, we are also reminded that that wilderness forms us and reminds us of God's care and compassion for us. So be a voice in the wilderness whenever, what, whenever you find yourself there, whatever wilderness you find yourself in. Be a voice there pushing against complacency and hate, calling for repentance as a way to wholeness, calling out hypocrisy for the good of all, creating community where there was none, baptizing with the water, spirit, and fire of Christ's love. This happens all over if we have the eyes to look at it. Happens all the time if we see with eyes of faith. And we are called to see with eyes of faith that we may live while we are alive, as Elizabeth Hubler Ross once wrote. To see with eyes of faith that we must live while we are alive, to release our inner selves from the spiritual death that comes with living behind a facade designed to conform to eternal definitions of who and what we are. A couple of weeks ago, I went to the ordination of the first woman bishop in the Diocese of Louisiana. She had become a friend through... uh, close friends in that diocese, colleagues in that diocese, and she's just a wonderful human being and also the first woman there called to the Episcopacy. Her ordination as a bishop was at the Episcopal Cathedral in New Orleans, so it was also fun, just saying. It was a glorious celebration, a glorious liturgy for so many reasons. The man leading the procession into the beautiful historic church was um, someone that I had known from uh, St. Luke's, New Orleans, when we used to visit, when we had mission trips uh, to help muck out houses after Katrina. And I remember seeing him for the first time in St. Luke's after Katrina where 90% of the parishioners had lost their home and in he came swinging his incense holder, that's a thurible and he just had his dynamic ministry, nothing was going to keep him from celebrating the Eucharist, and from keeping it special and holy. And there he was, I hadn't seen him in years, the first to enter the cathedral, swinging his thurible with passion and delight, with solemnity and celebration. And he set the mood for the occasion, practically dancing down the aisle, swinging, doing crazy eights, all these wonderful things. I want us to have a delegation to, to get trained by him uh, someday, because so, we, we need some uh, new uh, thoroughfers here at Trinity. Well, I mention him because just like um, John, he showed being his singular self. He showed how to be a voice in the wilderness. His voice was his incense holder and his skill at wielding it, underscoring the message to stay humble, yet be bold, to stay faithful and be unique, to stay true to yourself and God's dream for you while making a way for Christ in this world. Still at that ordination, I was looking through the service booklet, and on the back of it was listed all the bishops of the Diocese of Louisiana. And the first bishop was Leonidas Polk, Bishop Polk. So he was the first name listed, and then Shannon's was the last, Shannon Duckworth, who was about to be ordained. He, Bishop Polk, had been a confederate general and an enslaver. He was the first bishop to have a seat in that cathedral where we were all gathered to celebrate a new bishop. And there to preside over her consecration as bishop, sitting in that seat once held by an enslaver, was presiding Bishop Michael Curry. Bishop Curry is in many ways wonderful and unique and he happens to be the first African American presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church. Sitting where that old enslaver had once held sway, Bishop Curry made it clear that the way of love had triumphed, that the rough places had been made plain. The significance was palpable, even as we know there's a long way to go to dismantle racism in our church and in the world. But it was a beautiful thing to see. Bishop Curry being a voice in the wilderness against white supremacy. It was beautiful. It was just beautiful. The next day, on November 20th, the new bishop, as new bishops do at their seatings, they pick up their crozier, their shepherd's crook, and you could see that her arms were buff even under the vestments she was knocking on, Those doors of the cathedral and the cathedral doors opened. And she took her place among the apostles. Our understanding of the order of bishops is that they have come down in an unbroken line from the apostles. It's called the apostolic succession And there she took her place among the apostles. Now she has a hard row to hoe. She will have to be a voice in the wilderness. And while she's doing it, she will incarnate hope for many of us. And she will need to stay humble and be bold, to stay faithful and a bit out of the ordinary, to stay true to herself and God's dream for her. Peter Gomes, great theologian, in his book, The Scandalous Gospel of Jesus, warns us, do not get complacent. The good news is not status quo. The good news confronts reality. John the Baptist teaches us how to do that how to be voices in the wildernesses of this world. He teaches us that being a voice in the wilderness is a part of discipleship. That crying out in the wilderness is part of the preparation for Christ's coming. That being our singular, un poco loco selves, is one of the best spiritual practices for incarnating hope. Dear ones, beloveds, stay humble and be bold this Advent. Stay faithful and a bit strange. Stay true to yourself and to God's dream for you, for you and you alone. Make a way for Christ in this world. Raise your voice in the wildernesses in which you find yourselves, that you may find your way to each other and to God, repenting and rejoicing that God is surely with us, always and forever. Amen.